Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Craft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 103.9 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Friday evening, where we are set to continue our exploration and really better said review of what we have been about over the last, what, five and a half months, right? Uh, last week, we started a two-week review on our nine keys to better respond to the question, can you pray for me? We will wrap that discussion up this evening and as we do, that will properly set up our discussion on the saints starting next week. I had hoped to begin our reflections into the saints this evening, but I received a question from you pertinent to this Friday programming in particular, its title, Holy Desire. Um, so we will start our series on the saints next week. Okay, so we will start our nine-week series on the saints next Friday. And as I noted last week, we are going to tie each saint to the themes that we have been talking about as it's particular to the nine keys and how to better respond to the question, can you pray for me? All right, so <laughs> the question was this, what does it mean to say holy desire? Yeah, I touched upon this five and a half months ago, but what I want to do is really re-engage that question, and as I do kind of poured back into the larger question of what we have been about over the last five and a half months. So, you know, sometimes holiness can be an elusive thing to talk about, right? Sometimes the easiest way to describe holiness is just to point to a person like that of Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, right? If you want to know what holiness is, just look at Mother Teresa. That's easy. But <laughs> if you know me, you know that I like to get inside of a word to, to better understand the meaning of things. And in this case, I really do think there is a real pearl of wisdom when it comes to better understanding holiness, because if we're going to understand what lies at the heart of what makes Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa, and John Paul II, St. John Paul II, certainly you can look at their gift of what but sacrifice. Why focus in, hone in on the word sacrifice? Well, when you break up that word sacrifice in its Latin, sacrum fice, it literally translates as to make holy, to make holy. So if you want to become holy, sacrifice, because those acts of self-gift make you more holy. And what do those acts of self-gift look like? Well, next time someone asks you to do something, do it. Or maybe better said, next time you feel the Holy Spirit nudging on your heart to do something, do it. What does that look like? Well, maybe that's going to your local convalescent home and spending time with someone who, who no one spends time with. Maybe that's helping the homeless getting all of those things they need to no longer be homeless, encountering them, meeting them where they're at in all of their messiness. 
Because brothers and sisters, <laughs> we are all messy in one way or another. And we need other to encounter us. We need other to make sacrifices to help us in our journey. We become an opportunity of holiness for other, just as other is an opportunity for us to become more holy. And what's the framework for this? Sacrifice. Do the dishes. Mow the lawn. Do those things that maybe you don't want to do. Go to the grocery store when the last thing you want to do is go to the grocery store. And maybe when you're at the grocery store, if you're frustrated, pray for the, for the outpouring of the gift of the Holy Spirit to wash over you, putting a smile on your face. Sometimes the most holy thing you can do is to simply smile because the smile is a sacrament of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, as joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So what am I talking about creating all of those holy moments? Holy moments are those opportunities that are before us to sacrifice. And where there is sacrifice, there is holiness. All right, That's what, uh, in the end, lies at the heart of the question of what it means to be holy. But what does that have to do with desire? Everything, because we are only going to become holy to the extent that we desire Christ. There's something called the grace of desire, and that is when the Holy Spirit puts in your heart that grace to long for God, that grace to long for God. Now, if we were to stick with the theme of unpacking words, the word desire comes from the Latin uh, desiderare, which is derived from desidus, which means down from, if you break that word up, down from, and the sedus in the Latin translates as heavenly body or stars. So to desire something is to crave, long for that which comes down from where? The heavens. Now, we use the word desire in a lot of different contexts, huh? If you're anything like me, I desire uh, a good meal. <laughs> and by the grace of God, the bountiness of God, a good meal comes down from the heavens. But there's more than just physical food that God desires to give us, but spiritual food. And when you hear the phrase holy desire come from the lips of a St. Teresa of Avila or St. John of the Cross, what are they talking about? But holiness itself. Really, to talk about holy desire is to talk about the same thing. God himself, right? Because God himself came down to give himself to us in the form of what? Well, cruciform, sacrifice. And as he did, he gives us holiness, and this is what we desire. So here we are talking about the importance of intercession and that question, can you pray for me? Why? Because we desire the holiness of God to intervene upon the world. This is what lies at the heart of this programming each and every Friday. Okay? All right. I hope that helps. Now, let us finish up with our review of our first nine intercessory keys that took us over five and a half months to examine. Last week, we were talking about key number six, praying in specifics. And I made the comment that ultimately, as we pray with specifics, we always do so disposed to God and the optimal good. Right? And the optimal good. Well, what do I mean there? Well, here I would like to share a story 
that comes to us from the legend of King Alexander. The story is told of Alexander the Great that one day, upon heading from a victorious battle, his caravan came upon a beggar by the roadside who asked for a copper coin. Now, initially, the courtier sent him away, but King Alexander intervened and, and asked what the poor man wanted. The courtier said, a copper coin. So after looking at the man, King Alexander returned to his carriage to grab a bag of coins. And he returned to the beggar and gave him a bag of gold coins. The courtier was surprised by this gift and commented, Sir, your majesty, a copper coin would have adequately met the beggar's needs and desire. There's the word. Why give him gold? Alexander responded as a king responds. A copper coin would suit the beggar's need. But gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Brothers and sisters, so often we go to God in our prayer asking for one thing, and God desires to give us so much more. For us to receive this more that God wants to give us, sometimes he responds with the aforementioned, as we've already discussed it, no, we're not yet, right? When God answers our prayer with no or not yet, we ought to accept this answer, mindful, mindful that behind every no is an immeasurable greater yes. And in this case, of course, as we are talking about it on this radio program, the yes being the will of God. So the prayer, thy will be done. What does it teach us? Well, it teaches us that petitions of intercession are a holding up to God and offering to God the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ with the confidence that God will act according to his merciful love, which is always, absolutely, his optimal good. The evangelist reminds us as much, huh? What do we read in 1 John 5, verses 14 to 15? And this is the confidence which we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know, John says, that we have obtained the requests made of him. Brothers and sisters, in praying the words, thy will be done, we have a beautiful version of what detailed prayer ought to look like, of what specific prayer ought to look like. Not only because it is prayer imbued with trust, the act of faith that is necessary for good prayer, right? But a prayer that always states definitively, specifically, I place you, God, as my number one. In that moment, we say to God, you know what I need before I ask, and it is my desire to enter into what you already know, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 would remind us. So in praying this way, we are allowing the holiness of God to make our imperfect prayers whole, holy. Now, this is part of the wholehearted prayer. The prayer, thy will be done, my friends, implies that all intercessory prayer needs to be open to he who is the optimal good, taking whatever good is within our prayer and transforming its substance into a greater good, uh, let's say the greatest good, right? because we're talking about God. All right, what about key number seven, praying in friendship? Well, in this key, we highlighted the words of St. Teresa of Avila that prayer is nothing more than being on terms of friends with God. In this vein, it really is important to remember what it means to say friends, right? 
We spend so much of our lives around friends paying close attention to what they say and who they are. We talk with our friends, we laugh with our friends, we dine with our friends, we, we tell our closest friends everything. To those we call friend, we hold nothing back. In the seventh key, my friend, St. Teresa of Avila counsels us to pay close attention to God, hanging out with Jesus, talking with Jesus, holding nothing back, turning over everything to Jesus. And certainly we could say our intercessory prayer will be better because of it. Why? Because Jesus desires to call us friend. What do we read in John chapter 15, verse 15? No longer do I call you servants, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Huh? So Jesus called his disciples friends because he had what made known everything to them. This is what friends do. How about key number eight, praying and thanksgiving to God? Brothers and sisters, friends say, grazie mille, right? <laughs> Thank you very much. To pray in thanksgiving to God is in the words of the author to the Hebrews, to, and I love this verse, continually offer up sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. When we acknowledge his name, we recognize God's movement in all that we say and do. Which, I dare say, at the very least, suggests what? That we have been looking for him in all that we say and do. Huh? And so this is what it means to really enter into that call we have to pray in thanksgiving to God. What do we read in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 18 to 19? Pray for us, the author says. We are sure that we have a clear conscience. Desiring to act honorably in all things, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you very soon. So the author to the Hebrews says, <laughs> pray with gratitude. And as you do, specifically intercede on behalf of me and my fellow ministers. Our prayer of petition should always be swept up with gratitude, which as we talked about it some weeks ago, when you break that word down, is a release of loveliness. We release graciousness and loveliness into our petitions of intercession. And lastly, the call we have to pray with Mary, our ninth key. God chose Mary, and so should we. This is a key that lies at the heart of the gospel. From Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see Mary mediating, interceding. Uh, Matthew introduces us to Mary as the virgin who will conceive and bear a son, the son who is the God-man, Jesus Christ. Matthew introduces us to the unique mediation, my friends, that Mary will have in the much larger schema of salvation history. She who shares in the great mediation of Jesus Christ. Mark echoes Matthew. Luke introduces us to Mary in the Annunciation with the great angelic salutation, Hail, full of grace. Upon a brief dialogue about how this will be, Mary says yes to the vocation of being the mother of God and mediating divinity. John introduces us to Mary in the wedding feast at Cana with what words? They have no wine. Another dialogue ensues, and with the words, do whatever he tells you, Jesus turns the water into wine, and once again, Mary mediates divinity. The gospel message is clear. Mary's mediation 
brought about the presence of God in the world and the first miracle in the gospel. And if we desire to do the same in our intercessory prayer, we ought to place our petitions into the hands of Mary. Amen. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.